Rest in peace, Dante Wright. My thoughts and prayers are with the family. Enough is enough. What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 258 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Today's episode, Blake Murphy, Raptors reporter for The Athletic Toronto, joins in to talk Toronto Raptors basketball and more. A fantastic conversation. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Blake on Twitter at BlakeMurphyODC. That's B-L-A-K-E-M-U-R-P-H-Y-O-D-C. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Blake Murphy of The Athletic. He covers the Toronto Raptors. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just terrible news. Um, Dante Wright. Rest in peace to Dante Wright. My thoughts and prayers are with his family. You know, the floor is yours to talk about the NBA's response. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't. I haven't had a chance to speak to any players yet coming out of that. Um, you know, the Raptors had an off day yesterday, who I cover. They, they were a very outspoken team. Um in the in the NBA's relaunch and they have a couple of players in Gary Trent Jr. and Freddie Gillespie who are from the Minnesota area so uh, I'd imagine that's hitting pretty hard home for them uh, um, more league-wide you know I thought I thought the postponement of games across sports made sense um, you know don't love the the framing some media did of like well they're doing this to in case of riots I, I think they did that because an event like that really hurts your community and sports teams are part, are a part of those communities. So, um, you know, glad the leagues were able to kind of give that space. Um, obviously the, the issue continuing on, like, I, I don't know how many times we could keep saying the same things and having the same conversations right. until people start to get it. It's, you know, obviously as, as a white guy, like I, I don't, I don't get to be tired or frustrated by it because people have been, you know, talking about and, and asking for this stuff for hundreds of years, but you know, this, the evidence is, is just overwhelmingly obvious about the way um, police treat people of color and the way our justice system kind of gives police impunity to act like that. It, it's, it's really upsetting that it, it seems like it happens, you know, it seems like it's a regular part of the news cycle. Yeah. And that video was just terrific. Just terrific. Um, what do you think the impact have been uh, of the Raptors, you know, living in Florida, not living home. Um, some of those guys are in more comfortable situations than others, but how has that impacted the season? Yeah, it uh, it sucks. Um, so I was down in Tampa for a couple weeks in December, basically writing the story of like, how did they move and what does it look like? And, you know, as far as being forced to be displaced, a professional basketball team can afford some, some amenities to make that easier, right? Like, you know, you're in Florida where the weather's a little nicer and some of the higher paid guys have nice rental cars and um, yeah. have bigger spots for their families. 
but some guys were also living out of a hotel for like a month or two. Um, you know, the guys on the fringes of the roster hadn't looked for places because they didn't know if they were going to make the team. Um, and then I think there's, you know, there's a, a pretty big mental toll to a lot of it of, you know, not only are you displaced from Toronto where a lot of these guys have homes um, you're displaced from the fan base. The, the fans that are at your games aren't cheering for you. Um, they're just yeah. kind of cheering for basketball. I think too, like there might be an element of like when you're at home, that's like the benefit of a homestand is not just physical. Like there's a mental to that too, of sleeping in your own bed and stuff like that. And I don't think, you know, the Raptors have talked about how they feel like they're playing 72 road games. And uh, even if a stretch like this, where they've got five in a row at home gives them like a little semblance of comfort um, or or routine, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not really the same. And I, I know that all 30 teams are going through some version of this. Most teams have cut out shoot arounds, you know, Draymond's been open about the testing protocols and how weird it is to get practice time and sleep in around that. Uh, obviously there have been positive COVID cases uh, around the league and guys like Jason Tatum have been open about the toll it's taken. But I, I do think, you know, the Raptors being displaced on top of all of that and trying to figure out, Hey, do I bring my family out? How do I keep my family safe? Um, you know, we're in a state where, the, the numbers have been consistently really, really bad. Uh, I think there's a, a mental toll to that that has maybe disproportionately affected the Raptors. Yeah, most definitely. Less practice for sure. It's interesting, some of these crazy shooting performances we've seen. Like, <laughs> like with less practice, though, Gary Tread Jr. Yeah, 17 I mean, that, and 19. <laughs> I mean, that has, like, it might sound crazy. That has to be, like, a top five or seven shooting percentage shooting performance ever. Like seven, yeah. like Jamal Murray had a game like that earlier and he just hurt his knee, which is so unfortunate. We'll get to that later. He's Canadian. Yeah. Um, it's crazy though. Like that shooting performance. Yeah. Trent. So, so Trent's 44 point game was uh, by true shooting percentage. It was the most efficient 40 point game in Raptors history. And I think the only recent one that was more efficient was clay had that game where like, whatever it was 64 points with like 11 dribbles or something like that Yeah, uh, was the only one more, more efficient on that kind of volume. So uh, obviously a bit of an outlier, but I do think, you know, as much as less practice time and stuff like that probably impacts uh, players flow and players rhythm. It, it probably also has hurt defenses because, you know, you can't install as much. You, you can't get on the yeah, court as much. And true. then, you know, if there's physical fatigue, I don't know. I mean, you, you play, you know, that it's probably going to be on the defensive end where, Oh, suddenly now your legs feel it. Not uh, not when you have yeah. the ball in your hands. And I think team defensive concepts is probably the hardest thing to get. That takes time, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, the Raptors are a good example. They've had a ton of turnover this year on their roster and lots of guys in and out and stuff like that. And their defense has taken uh, a big step back from, from where it's been historically. So, um, and I think league wide offense is up as well. So there, there's definitely something to this. And there's some, is there something to Gary Trent Jr. and his father, three years in, 41 games in, they both end up on the Toronto Raptors. That's, that's insane. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and, and I thought it was cool that, that Gary Trent Jr. took the number his dad wore with the Raptors, number 33. It's not, it's not, the, uh, it's not the sexiest of numbers. Right. Uh, and like, ironically, the Raptors signed Freddie Gillespie out of the G League right after. And Gillespie's always worn 33. So you have this unused Raptors jersey number that no one's used. And then suddenly two guys on the team want it at once. Um, but yeah, it's the, the connection is pretty crazy. And my colleague at the Athletic, Eric Kareen, wrote a great piece last week 
talking to Gary Trent Sr. about like, you know, what was it like being an NBA player and, and raising a son who wanted to be in the NBA as well? Uh, it was a pretty cool look into what that dynamic's like. Kyle didn't get traded. It was so weird because everybody thought he would get traded. What were you hearing? I was actually hearing that they would have needed a ridiculous offer to actually trade him. Does, does that sound true? Does that sound yeah, about the, right? The noise was all over the place, right? Like, like maybe two weeks out from the deadline, we were hearing a lot of chatter and like, I'm of the mind that a lot of that was coming from Jimmy Butler's camp because Jimmy Butler really wanted Kyle in Miami. Um, yeah. You know, I, it's tough. I ran through some scenarios with other writers. Um, you know, I did this thing with Rich Hoffman from our 76ers beat and we basically did like a mock negotiation and had the Raptors got the deal I got, I would have been really thrilled. Uh, I had them giving up like three assets to get Kyle Lowry. Um you know, from what it sounds like, the offers weren't there to, to that degree. You know, I don't know. I don't know if Philly even put Maxi in a first plus salary filler on the table. Um, you know, Miami, we heard some things about their offer and then they got Oladipo essentially for free. Like like for Kelly Olenek, who, who's a nice expiring and, and one pick swap. Um, you know, that's a really low price to pay if you think Oladipo can bounce back at all. So, um, you know, I, I think... It's tough. I, I think, you know, if in a vacuum, I, I definitely would have been trading Lowry and trying to build for the future, but the NBA doesn't exist in a vacuum. And I think the Raptors with the relationship with Lowry and stuff like that just opted not to, um, you know, as it turned out, Lowry hit the shelf like right after anyway. So um, maybe there was some uncertainty there, but I, I think, yeah, they just didn't get, they didn't get the offer and they didn't feel like with Lowry's relationship with the franchise that you know, taking anything was better than taking nothing. Yeah. Um, who are the, some of the young players that have been impressing you lately? I mean, I've been impressed with Flynn. Was that just the case of him getting more opportunity? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, you know, Flynn was obviously one of the very best players in college last year. And yeah. so it's not, you know, it's not super surprising to see him find success eventually. Um, but this has been such a weird year for player development, right? Like he played six games in the G League Normally the plan for the Raptors with a guy like that entering the season is like, they'd want him down there for 20 or 30 of the, of the 50 games. Uh, right. But then because the G league was only 15 games long and it was a bubble. Once they called him up for Kyle's thumb injury, he couldn't go back down. So, um, you know, he lost some reps there. I don't think he had Nick nurse's confidence early in the season. You know, we talked about defensive schemes and stuff like that uh, for a rookie point guard to pick that stuff up in a three week training camp is probably asking a lot. So um, credit to Flynn. He, he's obviously done a, a ton of work outside of NBA minutes. But yeah, these last two, three weeks, now that he's got a consistent rotation spot, it looks like the confidence running the offense has gone way up. And he's been he's been running the offense in some like truly brutal lineups as well. Uh, you know, when when you're surrounded by Stanley Johnson, Yuta Watanabe, and Aaron Baines, there's, there's not a lot of spacing for you to operate in. Uh, and he's kind of been making the most of that. And then defensively, like he's so far ahead of, of where a lot of rookie point guards are. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty encouraged. Like, like I, I think if, uh, you know, I think they're going to be comfortable if they come into next year and they're like, okay, he's like a 20, 25 minute a game backup uh, point guard behind Van Vliet. I, I think they'll think they're in pretty good shape. He, he's been really impressive the last couple of weeks. The last time we had a summer league, I was there and Boucher was a guy that really, he, he popped out. Like he, he, you don't forget him. You know, he's like an interesting prospect, but he's not even that young, right? He's not even that young. Um, he's the third oldest guy on the team. 
it's crazy. Like I was like, oh, look at this young guy. You know, he's long. He has potential. But I mean, he has had some great games. Could you see him in the Toronto's future? You think like they could build with him? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think he's a starting center, really. Um, I think, you know, his defensive limitations outside of just being a shot blocker and the fact that he's, you know, he's just not a great rebounder because of his size. Yeah. Um, you know, it maybe makes it hard to pencil him in for how, t- how tall is he, by the way? He's like 6'11", 6'10". Okay, yeah. Um, but it's more that, like, he's, like, 200 pounds. <laughs> I don't know right, what he's right. listed at now, but he's very right. skinny. Um, so he doesn't have the body to really bang and work on the glass. He started a little bit here for the Raptors. Um, but I think his ideal role is kind of what he was playing earlier in the year, which is that first big off the bench. You come in with a lot of energy. Um, you get more touches because you're with bench units instead of being kind of the fifth starter um, I just think that that's kind of the best use of it, of his strengths. And then defensively, you know, they like him a little bit better at the four than the five um, because of that size stuff. And, and he's got to sharpen up some of his team defense stuff, but in terms of future um, he has a very affordable non-guaranteed deal next year. So unless the Raptors like really need the cap space um, I could see Boucher being back next year for sure. Um, they like him. He's got a clear role as a bench big. And I think at like $7 million or something like that, non-guaranteed, that's a, that's a pretty team-friendly year on that deal. Yeah, the theme of this conversation has been uh, just a weird season. Yeah. A lot of games <laughs> in a short amount of time. We're seeing some ACL injuries. I mean, I'm recovering from one, my, from one myself, so I know what it's like to recover from one. This is my second one. Man, Jamal Murray, it's just terrible timing because they look, you know, I feel like MPJ was going to take a crazy, crazy leap. You know, Jokic is playing at an MVP level. They have Aaron Gordon playing great. Um, just terrible timing. And he's a Canadian too, man. That's yeah, amazing. so he's actually from like right down the road from me. Um, he's like the only thing my area has produced in terms of basketball. Uh, no disrespect to Murphy Bernatowski, who I think before Jamal Murray was the uh, – the most successful player from, from Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo. So, so, so a lot of times when that happens, a kid travels out early. Is that what happened with him? Uh, yeah, he played his, so he actually, Jamal was one of the very first top Canadian prospects who didn't go to prep school in the U S in the U S but he did go to Orangeville prep. So like a suburb of Toronto, okay. uh, to play his, uh, to play his, uh, later high school ball. Um, and then obviously went the, the Kentucky route to get into the NBA, but yeah, yeah like he, it's hilarious. He, he, his first couple of years of high school, he was going to a high school that was like played in the same district as me. I'm way older than him. So we wouldn't have overlapped, but um, just destroying it, everybody, huh? Yeah, I, I would imagine. So uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like my area produces some hockey players and they're usually like fourth line fighters or whatever. Uh, not a lot of basketball. So it's been really cool to watch, uh, to watch Jamal grow. Obviously this injury sucks. I, I, I really like the Nuggets to like maybe get to the finals before that. Like, I don't, I don't know if people realize, obviously Jokic is in the MVP discussion, but like the, the two, three combo of Jamal and MPJ and what Aaron Gordon can do for their defense with that deadline acquisition, you know, they might be good enough to still make a little bit of noise in the playoffs, but like the Jamal loss is huge. The, the Jamal Jokic offensive mind meld is just, it's such a huge part of what they, what they do and what they were going to do. It's really unfortunate, man. It's it's uh that was tough news to see this morning. No, the Nuggets could really win a championship. Like I, I feel like they're in that mold of you know the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Suns, where if things go right for them, uh, they could actually win a championship. But I think if like the Nets are healthy and the Lakers are healthy, and even if the Clippers are healthy, it'll, it'll be tough. But you know you do the right things, and then you never know what could happen. So 
Exactly. And, you know, this is, this is a good example of that. The Raptors championship is a good example of that. Like if you keep yourself in the mix where you're one of the five or six best teams, you don't know, you don't know how things are going to break. And like the Clippers, I know they've got Kawhi and, and I know better than most not to doubt Kawhi, but they really haven't looked like that great a team the last two years. And like the Lakers are the Lakers, but how healthy will LeBron and AD be a month from now when the playoffs start? Um, so yeah, that, that door was open. Uh, I guess, I guess Phoenix is like the fun non LA team to root for now. I know Raptors fans will, will pull for Portland because Norm's there now, but uh, okay. Yeah. Defensively it's tough for them. That's their issue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I was a little, I understand why they did the Trent for Norm swap. Like they, they, You've done it enough times with Dame. Well, some and CJ. people didn't get that. They thought it was, you know, similar returns on, on both sides. Yeah, I mean, look, the the thing is, is that Norm is better right now. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's true. You can only that's do it true. so many times with Dame and CJ before you gotta push some chips in, right? Like, I think not too long in the future, Trent will be better than Powell, and he'll probably be on so a cheaper too. deal. But if you're Portland, you know, Dame's not crazy young. CJ and Nurkic are in their primes. I, I get it. You make the move. You make the move for now, and it feels like a pretty open season. Yeah, it's interesting. Two seasons is never the same, and with Toronto, um, load management worked. Like there was never any chemistry issues. It doesn't seem like it was like that with the Clippers this year. What do you make of that? And is Kawhi the same player he was when he was with Toronto? Yeah, I think Kawhi, when he turns it on, is is the same guy. Like I, I think you know, if we get in a playoff series and and we start seeing him lock down and. There's just there are so few guys I would trust to be able to create their own shot in a playoff environment in a tight game um, like Kawhi can. So I, I think more of the issue is, you know, we saw what the Raptors did last year when they lost Kawhi and Danny Green, and that was still a pretty good team. They went to the second round. They were, you know, a buzzer beater from, from beating Boston uh, and going to the Eastern Conference Finals again you know, it just wasn't that bad a team when you took Kawhi off of it. And, you know, part of that was when Kawhi sat, you had OG, um, I mean, until the playoffs, you had OG to fill that spot in, or you had um, Pascal Siakam to, to fill that spot in. And then you had a couple guards, you had good center play. And I don't think that, I just don't think the Clippers are, you know, have that kind of depth. Like Terrence Mann's been a cool rookie and Paul George is obviously uh, an all-star, but there's not, you know, that Raptors team ran probably eight deep. Whereas this Clippers team, when you're, when you're talking about who steps in for Kawhi, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't run nearly as deep. I, I think there's also, you know, I'm not around the Clippers every day, so I can't quite say this, but, but reading some of the stuff last year, I don't know that the Clippers have handled kind of in the locker room and in the culture, some of the concessions you have to make to a guy of Kawhi's stature quite as well as the Raptors had where, you know, you didn't hear a lot of squeaky wheels with the Raptors, even though Kawhi still needed all that same stuff, like his own stretching area and his weird workout times and yeah, you know, yeah. the, the load management and stuff like that. I think but, they were waiting for him in the plane. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the winning helps a lot, right? Winning helps yeah. you ignore a lot of that stuff. Yeah. For any NBA draft prospects, you would like to see Toronto land in the draft. Oh man. Um, so yeah, this is where the, the fan base is so fractured right now. Because oh really? Cause I'm, we, we cover the draft often on the pod. So I'd love to hear what they're fractured about. Yeah. So, so the big thing is, you know, the Raptors are, I think eighth last in the standings right now. Okay. So they're two games out of the play in tournament. 
and don't have the tiebreaker. So some of the, some fans want them to keep winning and try to make the play in game and like get a first round playoff series. And some fans want them to go the other direction and, you know, try to get to the bottom. I, I think I think most people feel there's a bit of a cutoff in this draft after five. Um, not that it's not a deep draft, but you know, if you're tiering it, it's obviously yeah. it's Cade. The and five then you are consensus. Could, yeah. Yeah. And then you can rank the Jalen's Kaminga and, and Mobley in, in whatever order you want. Um, and then there's a bit of a drop off. So, you know, I think if you get a top five, you're, you're in pretty good shape beyond those guys. Um, I don't know if he's ready to contribute right away and he might need some development time, but in terms of, what the Raptors core looks like Keon Johnson to me has kind of emerged as like the most natural target of that next group for the Raptors. Maybe Scotty Barnes. I I do like Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Um, I like Kai Jones, Um, you know, Moses Moody. Like there are some interesting names in there. Uh, It's just with with Keon, it's the, the ability to put pressure on the rim that uh, you look at this Raptors core and it's not a strength of Van Vliet. It's not a strength of Gary Trent Jr. It's not a strength of OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam's taking a step back in that regard. Um, so once you get into the part of the draft where, you know, I'm always very much, you take the best talent available, but yeah, if, me you too, think two, 100%. If, you, if you think two talents are roughly equal, then maybe you look at, you know, strengths and weaknesses and fits. And that's where Keon has just emerged a little bit more than the rest of that group for me. But to be completely honest, like, I watch college basketball as a fan up until the NBA season ends. And then like once the Raptors are out, that's when I'll re-dive in on stuff and and put kind of a, a scouting hat on a little bit more and, and dive in. So right now it's like, you know, I've got like four or five games of sample of all of these guys from just like casually watching. I'm I'm not uh I'm not ready to to lock in Keon Johnson as number six on my board yet. I'm with you, man. I've talked about that on the podcast. It's always best available over fit. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. I, I tell people that all the time. But um, where do you where would you like to see the season go? I mean, you told me the fans are fractured and this will be the last one. Where would you what's the best case scenario for the Raptors going forward for the rest of the season? I think it's like, what, 17, 18 games left? Yeah. Um, look, I don't. Players don't tank, uh, but. I love covering draft stuff and uh, I would love to see what a top pick looks like added to this core. Um, You know, there's a small part of me that like karmically believes that if the Raptors are in the lottery, like maybe some fortune goes their way because of the season that they've had to, to kind of deal with here with uh, the displacement and half their team and coaching staff catching COVID and stuff. Um, Yeah. I, I would, you know, if I had to choose, I would rather them, lose more than they win down the stretch here and improve their lottery odds. I just, I just don't like, I think they could win the play in tournament and get into a playoff spot and have like a fun series, but I don't think they're beating Brooklyn or Philadelphia. Um, so, you know, you're, you're talking about losing a chance at a, at a really good player and, and like a small percentage chance at a generational player like Cade Cunningham uh, to get fade, down. You're saying the, fade for Cade. That's what you're trying to say. Fade for Cade. Yes. Yes. Um, that if I had to choose, I, that would be my preference over making the play in game. But uh, I know the guys, once they hit the court, you know, you can't ask the players to, to not win. Right. So. Yeah, no, most definitely. Most, it's not good for culture, but I do see what yeah. you're saying as well. Blake, Especially great... to you, you got this like eight year streak of making the playoffs and stuff like that. They, they probably want to keep that alive a little bit, but most definitely. Blake, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Please let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Blake Murphy ODC on Twitter. You can read my work at The Athletic Toronto. Uh, if you don't subscribe already, there's always some sort of like discount link or promo code 
kicking around. So just hit me up and, and I'll usually have one of those. Okay. Appreciate you. A lot of it. draft coverage coming. If, if hey, the don't make the, don't make the playoffs. So I'll be tuned in. I love draft coverage. Yeah. I cover the draft all the time. Blake, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Thanks man. Anytime. Thank you for tuning into Combos Court. Big shouts to Blake for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Be on the lookout for episode 259. Combo out.